Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. All right, it is a privilege always to preach and especially during missions conference, you know, it has been a long tradition that the IBM director preached uh, the last uh, service of our missions conference. And I, I've pushed back on that a few times uh, because when you have someone here like, like a Dr. Stedman, I, I would re- much rather hear what he has to say uh, than listen to myself, uh, especially if I'm doing the preaching. <laughs> But, uh, and besides, you hear it from me uh, enough as it is. But this year, I was really greatly burdened to preach this message at this time. And really, it's something that has been, uh, something I have been thinking about and, and uh, mulling over for, for really, really quite a while. Um, in recent years, we have lost some wonderful members and friends of this ministry, of this body, to heaven. Now, that's our loss. That's not theirs. Uh, I, I still uh, hear Dr. T's voice every time I walk over to the IBC side of campus. And uh, Missions Conference especially is, reminds me of that because he loved to host the, all the missionaries. And uh, part of our missionary planning was trying to figure out a date we could all get over there uh, to his house and get everyone together. Uh, many of you know that uh, my own brother passed away earlier this year. I'm still finishing up the work on his estate, and uh, even though it was relatively simple. And perhaps you have lost loved ones or close friends in, in recent years and still feel the pain from their loss. And that has really cons- led me to consider a text uh, written by Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 7 and verse 2. And this is not really, you know, this is not really a, a typical missions message. There we go. But uh, it's going to have some really amazing missions applications, some very important missions application. Uh, Solomon writes that it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Because that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Think about that verse. Now, I know this is going to shock some of you, but I'm not really a party guy. I I know. I know. Uh, But having said that, I would prefer going to a party, well, excuse me, a fellowship. We independent Baptists don't have parties, we have fellowships. I would rather go to a fellowship than a funeral. Uh, I have a good friend that we, we went to high school together, uh, almost were ordained together. That didn't work out, but uh, he has pastored my home church back in southern Ohio for, for almost 40 years. Uh, he's been there the entire time after college. Uh, maybe I don't know if he's pastored the whole time, but he's been there at the church on staff for 40 years. Pastoring, pastoring most of that time. And he told me, we were talking this several months ago, and he said that in those 40 years, he has done 800, 850 funerals. 
Now, he's done a few weddings along the way, a fair amount of weddings, but nothing close to, to the funerals that he has performed. It's part of being in an older church in a town that has an older population, and uh, it's, it, that, that's, that's amazing to me. But Solomon says it's better to go to a funeral, to a house of mourning, than, than to uh, a house of feasting. Um, someone invites you over to their house for a, for a Sunday fellowship, on Fifth Sunday fellowship. You know, no, sorry, I'd, I'd rather go to a funeral. No, I don't think you're going to say that. But, but the reality is that we learn some serious lessons from dealing with funerals. Uh, some lessons about life and lessons that will benefit us in life. And there are a lot of lessons, but I am going to share with you, I think, five of those lessons tonight that have been on my mind and I think are obvious lessons, I think important lessons uh, for us to think about, uh, about life in general. Let's look to the Lord in prayer and uh, we'll look at these. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can meet together tonight. I pray that you will remove distractions. I pray that you will just open our hearts and minds uh, to what the Spirit of God would teach us this evening from your word. Uh, help us to understand, and Lord, I pray that you will just make this the application that is needed uh, in our hearts and lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot of lessons we could, we could go to. Uh, better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. This, the living will take it to heart. Here's some things I think is very important for you to take to heart. First of all, very obviously, life is brief. Now, I'm starting with the obvious. James says life, our lives are like, like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes away. Now, I know when you're younger, this does not seem to be true. Uh, those of us who are older will testify to this, that you look back maybe 20 years and it seems like yesterday. Uh, you look at uh, things that, you remember things that happened 40 years ago, sometimes better than what you remember happened yesterday. And it's, it's amazing how quickly life passes by. Um, consider this, Psalm 39, verses 4 through 6. The psalmist says, Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am? Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at, uh, at his best state is but vapor. Surely, every man walks like a shadow. Surely, they, they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches, and he doesn't know who will gather them. At the, at the risk of sounding old, yes, it is amazing how, life, how quickly our life passes. Our life is described as a handbreadth. My understanding of a handbreadth is basically four fingers. It was used as, a, as, as measurement, measurement. That's your life. Some of us are down to the last finger. Some of us, that last finger is getting shorter and shorter. That's, that's our life. You know, when you see your, your, your children growing old and you think, that can't be. I'm too old. I'm too young to have children that old. Uh, 
And yet it happens. This summer, I took two of my granddaughters up to camp at Grandview. And when we arrived there, all the activity of the camp, it's been a while since I'd been at camp. I used to preach at camps, used to work in camps. And uh, I, every summer, I, just, I spent so much time in camps. It's been a while since I'd been to a camp. And as they got there and all the activity, the counselors meeting them and doing all the things that they do. And I, I told Leslie, I feel like I'm in my 20s again. And then we walked up to our cabin up the hill. <laughs> and I realized this body is not 20. I didn't, I didn't huff and puff like that when I was 20. Uh, life is brief. You know, and, and it's too brief for us to waste. It's too brief for us to spend on that which is not essential. But here's a second point that I think is, is equally important. And that is death is certain. And after that, the judgment. Hebrews uh, 9.7 tells us. Uh, we've all been to, to uh, funerals. We've seen the body of a friend or a loved one in the casket. People walk by and comment on how natural he or she looks, but that's not reality. The reality is that the real individual, the soul, is alive either in heaven or in hell. The body is just the shell. Scripture tells us to be absent from the body, for a Christian, is to be present with the Lord. But Jesus also told the story of the rich man who died and lifted up his eyes in hell. That's reality. And and the reality is that there are people dying every moment that we speak somewhere around the world who is dying without Christ and and going into a crisis eternity into hell. The Bible tells us that as a believer, there will be a judgment of our works called the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, That is determined not to determine our salvation, but it's a reward for those and our faithfulness to the Lord. However, the Bible does speak of the great white throne judgment where the books will be opened and those whose names are not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. That's reality. I remember back when I was pastoring full-time as a senior pastor of a church and I was called upon to do the funeral of a church member. I always felt, I I never got away from this, I always felt the weight of my responsibility to preach and teach the Word of God accurately, knowing that this individual had met his or her Lord. It always sent me back wanting to be more faithful, wanting to be more, make sure that I'm teaching God's Word accurately. My responsibility as their shepherd was a serious responsibility because life is brief and, and death is certain, and then comes the judgment. Over in chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, verse 4 uh, Solomon wrote that, uh, but for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. That's quite a statement. A living dog is better than a dead lion. I mean, a dog was a, a symbol of scorn and, and, and uh, very negative in, in Jewish society, dirty, filthy. A lion has the has the stature of a powerful animal, mighty, majestic animal. But it's better to be a living dog than a dead lion. Because while there's life, there is hope. And that brings us to our, our third lesson. 
which is this, that earthly treasures will perish. Earthly treasures and earthly values, things that we, we, we see as important, will perish. It, it, is, it is human to hang on to things that we see with our eyes and to value things that we can feel and that we can touch. Yet we are warned in Scripture repeatedly not to get burdened and to get caught up and entangled in the things of this world. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as, as a soldier. You know, good armies take care of their soldiers. The soldiers don't have to worry about food. They don't have to worry about equipment. They don't have to worry about clothing. We read sometimes stories about armies of poorer countries uh, that are put together and, and the soldiers have to find some some shoes to wear because they don't have proper equipment and they don't have bullets for their guns and they don't have proper food and nourishment and, and uh, they, they become a very ineffective army at that point. God's people, as the army of God, are not to be entangled with the things of this world. Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And the context has to do with food and housing and clothing. All these things shall be added unto you. But sometimes we get wrapped up in this world. We lose, we lose our focus and we, and we get wrapped up in the things of this world and forgetting that these earthly va- treasures, these earthly values will someday perish. Jesus said in Matthew six nineteen, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break through and steal. But we don't always listen to that, do we? We we do tend to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. We get preoccupied with with things. Do you know that the storage and the self storage industry in the U.S. is a thirty nine billion dollar industry? $39 billion we spend in this country to store things that we don't have room for in our house. And we have some pretty big houses in this country. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the storage industry is a, is a very profitable, very profitable industry. Uh, we have so much stuff that we have to pay a storage fee to store it somewhere else. Consider again Psalm 39.6. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and he doesn't know who's going to gather them. Or, or, or consider this verse, these verses, Psalm 49, verses 10 to 12. For he sees wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the senseless person perish. And they leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever. Their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Smithville. Or whatever your name is. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. Have you ever had to clear out the estate of a loved one? Uh, I, I missed having to do this with my parents because both my brother and sister were able to do that and I was in California um, I helped a little bit with my sisters and I've been the one left to do my my brothers 
Uh, how many pictures are too many pictures? I mean, it's staggering the things we the things we keep. Uh, how long how long do you keep items that once meant some, meant something to the owner but don't mean as much to you? What do you do with things like diplomas, awards, recognitions that used to sit on shelves or, or hang on walls? I mean, you know, I think I've got diplomas on my wall in my office. What are my kids going to do with it? Probably throw it away. Oh, maybe they'll keep one of them just for, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have that much uh, nostalgia in them that they would keep one of them, but it's, and they're going to go, they're going to be thrown away. Uh, I had my, my brother had kept my sister's graduation gown, her doctoral hood, uh, and the doctoral hat. You know, the little fancy hat you get that, you know, when you get your doctorate, you can wear that little fancy hat. And um, what do you do with that? You know, sell it on eBay or something, I guess. Maybe. I don't, it's things that were pretty big deals to people. When they earned it or they, they purchased something. And, and what are your children going to do with it? They're going to say, Dad, get rid of it before you die so I don't have to deal with it. But that many times does not happen, right? How many generations will it be packed away for in a box or a chest until finally, ultimately, it's thrown away? That really puts things that we tend to value in this life in a whole new light. Because they're temporary. They're passing. We're not going to take them into heaven. We're not going to be walking into heaven with our, with our graduation gown and doctoral caps or my diplomas and show the Lord, you know, see this? It, it's, it's, not, it's going to be meaningless for, for, in, in many ways. Now, what we did with that won't be meaningless, but the, the, the things that we, that we sometimes look at as being valuable because we, we will lose, earthly treasures will perish. Now, so far, this message has been pretty gloomy, okay? But here comes some hope. Okay, here comes some hope. Because though life is brief, and death and judgment is certain, and earthly treasures will be lost, you can still lay up treasures in heaven. You know, Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's a profound statement. You know, it's not foolish to give up, to let go of what you're not going to be able to keep anyway. To, to gain what you cannot lose. So, though earthly treasures will perish, you can lay up treasure in heaven. Your life does not have to be vain. Jesus said, rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You can live for that which is eternal. You can live for that which will never pass away. Life does not have to be vanity, which is a theme that comes up, expression over and over in the book of Ecclesiastes. Life does not have to be vain. Life does not have to be empty. You do have something you can live for that is for the glory of Christ and for the kingdom of God. It's only vanity if it's lived apart from God's purpose for your life. 
then it becomes empty. His purpose for all of us is to be conformed to his image, ultimately to glorify him. Our, our purpose is to live for his glory. A verse I memorized as a young person, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. God does not call everyone into vocational ministry. But God does call us all into full-time service for him. To live our life for him and whatever God calls us to do. And if you're not living for eternity, then your life may seem like it's vanity. But you can lay up treasures in heaven. You can serve God. You can live with a purpose. You can live for his honor and for his glory with with that as, as your mission in life. And that brings us to the final lesson, which is this. If all this is true, then serve God with all of your heart, all of, your, all of the time, for all of your life. You know, people talk about killing time. I have some time to kill. No, you don't. Serve God with all your heart. Serve God with zeal. Serve God with passion. Don't waste hours. Don't waste days. Don't waste years of your life. Solomon concluded in chapter 12, verse 13 of Ecclesiastes, he he concluded this book by saying, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all or man's duty. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. When it comes right right down to it, when you, when you just get down to the, the bottom essentials of life, serve God, keep his commandments, fear God. That's, that's the basic duty. Serve him with all of your life. Serve him with all of your time. And serve him for, for all of your life. Be like, be like Paul who said, I, I run my race. I finished my race. I've completed what, the task that God has for me. God, as I said, does not call us all to full-time Christian service or vocation. The other calls us to serve him full-time. But you know, when Isaiah got his vision of a holy God, he cried out, Here am I, Lord. Send me. We ought to, we ought to be like little kids, you know, who are at school and trying to get picked for their favorite activity. You ever watch children like that when, you know, they're going to do something? Maybe it's erasing the chalkboard. We don't have chalkboards, I guess. Whiteboards now. Or, or I, I remember when I was in elementary school, the, the favorite task was going to the lunchroom and getting the chocolate milk. And that was a special prize. You got to go down and get the chocolate milk and bring it up for the class. And, and kids would be like, me, 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 let me go, me, me, me. That's how we ought to be about serving Jesus Christ. Here, my Lord, send me, me, me. What a privilege it is. 
to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to be able to use the life that he has given us, to lay up eternal treasure for his glory, for his honor, to be able to, to, to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What else could you do with your life that would be of any more value than to serve the King of heaven? Many of you are familiar with this quote from C.T. Studd, who was a famous cricket player who gave up his lucrative career, at least in the eyes of many, to follow the Lord to the mission field. He served in China. He served in India. He served in Africa. He died in July of 1931 in the Republic of, of Congo. And he wrote a, a rather long poem that summarized his life and call of service to Christ and will not read it all, but the last verse is what has been uh, mostly remembered from that. Most people quote the first two lines, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. That's great. But I really like the last two lines as well. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. I wonder tonight, is the lamp of your life burning out for Christ? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? As you think about the reality of life's brevity, the reality of death and judgment, the reality that we can lose our, 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 our treasures, anything, everything on earth is going to be lost, physical things. But we can lay up treasures in heaven. And if you realize that the, the only thing that makes sense is I'm going to serve the Lord with, with my life. All of my life, all, all the time, for the rest of my life. I'm not going to quit, not going to give up. I want my lamp to burn out for thee. That ought to be our prayer. That ought to be our desire. That's why someone who maybe in the eyes of the world who heeds God's call to go to a mission field somewhere where maybe they're not going to make a lot of money, where maybe it's going to be a difficult place, where, where maybe they're going to face some uncomfortable things. They're going to maybe face some hardships, some difficulties. It does not make sense. It does not compute in the minds of the world and according to the secular way of thinking. But if your life is lived for his glory and his honor, that's what matters. Amen. That my life has been burned out for him, for Christ. I only have one life and it's going to be passed. Only what's done for him will last. Let my life be burned out for the cause of Christ. I think that thought is, is perhaps one of the, one, one of the thoughts that, that stirred my heart to consider giving my life for ministry. Wanting my life to, be, to count for Christ, wanting to give my all for Christ. There may be young people here tonight who are still struggling with God's call upon your life. You've got an option. You could, you could work here in the world, stay in the States, maybe make a lot of money. Or you can give your heart in, in obedience to Christ and go where God's called you to go and is calling you to go and, 
and, and maybe not have the easiest of lives. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does matter. What's, what's, what seems valuable on one hand is really not valuable, and what seems invaluable is really what, what is valuable. It's what's done for Christ that's going to last. It's what's done for Christ that's going to count for eternity. And I, I promise you this. Someday, maybe a hundred or more years from now, maybe a thousand or more years from now, when you are in heaven and you're fellowshipping with the saints of God and you, you've enjoyed the glory of Christ and the glory of serving God and, and you've already, you, you spent a thousand years there already enjoying and, you, and you've only begun. You will never regret your choice to serve God and to serve Jesus Christ. You may, re, you may regret the time you spent working to try to, you know, get that car you wanted or that dream vacation. But you'll not regret giving your heart to serve Jesus Christ. If God is, is, is tugging on your heart about some area of service to the mission field or some area of ministry, even in this, in this world, I, in this country, I, I encourage you, don't even hesitate. Be like those little kids. Here, pick me, pick me, pick me. What a privilege that I get to be chosen to serve the King of Kings. Let's bow our heads for prayer.